0: there was an ad campaign, one I didn't get for a long time, uh, but, it, but it's kind of brilliant. The, this ad campaign was one that would you know, basically just show toast being spread with jelly or, or a peanut butter sandwich being made and, and talking about the, the old home way that, that this jelly is made and, and how refreshing it is. And, and then at the end of it, this, this feeble-voiced old man, I would think, that, that we never actually see, but we just hear his voice, and you recognize his voice. As he says, with a name like Smuckers, it has to be good. Because the the very idea that this jelly is called Smuckers, there, there's really nothing in that name to to commend you to this particular form of jelly, unless perhaps you you happen to be somebody that knew the the Smucker family, I assume, is who started this, and knew that they made good jelly. But but for anybody else, just hearing the name Smuckers doesn't particularly sound that tasty. And so the guy would tell us that with a name like Smuckers, with a name like that, the jelly has to be good, or else nobody's ever going to buy it. as we look at this we've been we've been we've all seen those kinds of things that that just doesn't seem right and yet there's something truly beautiful there as we have been walking through this first part of Paul's letter to the Corinthians this is essentially what Paul is doing he's he's laid out this idea of the message of the cross and he says this message is about as appealing as something called smuckers. The message itself is, is not one that, that would sound particularly appealing to those people. And so he says that, that if this message of the cross is actually drawing people to it, it's not because of how grand it is, but that there is something truly good there. We, we've spent a few weeks now in the, the first chapter of, of the letter to the Corinthians, and, and today we'll, we'll break into chapter 2. But I want to just kind of walk back through uh, what Paul has been saying here as, as he greeted the Corinthians and, and, and declared his thanksgiving to God for what God is doing, that, that God is doing something there he, he talked about giving thanks for the way God had blessed them, uh, clear back in chapter one, verse five, where he said that that in every way they're enriched in speech and in knowledge, and and we, we saw how, how they would have really valued those things to speak well and to speak wisely and to have wisdom, and that was something that, that Corinth, and, and the Greek people and the Roman Empire, at large, really valued and really. Uh, chased after is is this idea of new wisdom and eloquent speech and yet then paul comes with this idea that as he says in verse 17 there that he came to preach the gospel to preach the gospel not with eloquent words of wisdom Even as he'd given thanks for their speech and their wisdom, he's saying, I didn't come with eloquent words of wisdom. And we saw there at the beginning of of this section that we've been looking at, verse 18, that this word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. They look at this idea that the content of the message, that, that the one who has come to save actually came to die. That, that the one who should be magnified was actually humiliated. And they say the very content of that message is foolishness. Paul went on to look at those to whom the message is given. And, and saw that, that those that are given to receive the message, by all worldly standards, are unworthy of that message. Those who who receive it are not those who who have built themselves up to where they are powerful and rich and wise and wealthy and and deserving of things because we never could get there. The message goes to those who are unworthy. Paul then talked about the the result of that message. It's not a result that, that builds somebody up to a grand place where they can boast, but it's a message that breaks down all boasting. That that as we receive this good news. We realize there's nothing in us to boast about. In fact, we said it in verse 31 right there at the end of chapter 1. Let the one who boasts. Boast in the Lord. Not in themselves. And so now as we go into chapter 2. We get kind of Paul's uh, summary of this whole message. His his summary of of what's happening as as he looks now at we've considered the the way the content seemed foolish the people seemed unworthy the results seemed counterintuitive and now he says even the the preacher and the preaching of it is done in weakness not in power so we'll we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 as we consider of the preaching of the message the preacher and then the purpose of it. Let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 where Paul says, "And I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling" And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. But in the power of God. As we look at Paul's uh, summary of this first section. Looking at at wisdom and and how God has just flipped this whole thing on his head. We're going to see as Paul looks at uh, the, the preaching of this message. The way it came to them preacher as Paul looks at himself and then the purpose of it you see he's he spent so much time looking at, at how they the Corinthian people need to abandon their, their selfish pursuits of wisdom and by that I mean pursuits of wisdom uh, of grabbing the next new idea something that's going to make me great something that's going to make me uh, tower above everyone else because Paul says that in the smaller things is true wisdom. Now, Jesus said that the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, and we are following after Him. And so here in, in chapter 2, we see Paul saying that he himself had to abandon any, any self-righteous kind of wisdom to come to the people. So first we'll look at, at the preaching of it, the way Paul preached this word. Starting there in verse one, and I, he says, when I came to you, brothers, did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Paul again is emphasizing this this idea of being sent. That God has sent him and he is he is merely followed. He's not not coming in in some grand parade to to tell the little people of Corinth the things they need to hear. He's being led by God. And God is doing something and Paul is simply following along and he comes. He proclaims the testimony of God. And what is that testimony? Testimony. What is the testimony that he proclaims? But that word of the cross that we've been looking at. That idea that, that God, who has created all things, who holds all things in order, who, who is worthy of, of all praise, sent his son. That, that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who who worked in creation, who holds all things together, stepped out of heaven, put on flesh, and dwelt among the people. He stepped into the dusty roads of Israel. He humbled himself to, to experience rejection of those to, that he came to save. That he made himself little so that he could do much. And that Jesus, the Son of God, even followed to death. That, that God himself was on the cross paying the price for our sin. This is something that just doesn't make sense in, in a Roman mind. One that's coming to conquer It doesn't make sense in the Greek mind that's looking for for a beautiful idea of of wisdom that's going to surpass everything else. This is one that that comes and subjects itself in servanthood. And this is a testimony that Paul brings. And Paul's testimony continues that, that he didn't stay dead, that he suffered on behalf of his people. That he died in their place so that they wouldn't die. But then he conquered death. This is something that the Romans might have gotten excited about if there wasn't that whole cross idea already. That he conquered death and sin. He conquered the grave. He conquered Satan and offers life. Not to those who are worthy. Not to those who who clean themselves up just right, but to those who call on His name. Paul comes with the testimony of God, and he said he didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom. It's interesting, isn't it, that we we see that idea again of speech and wisdom coming together, that he had already uh, thanked God that, that they've received all gifts of speech and of knowledge. And, and this would have been something that would have, would have built them up. And we've seen him talking about uh, the, the word of worldly wisdom, eloquent words of wisdom, like he talked in verse 17. But Paul's word that he comes with is, as we saw in 18, the word of the cross. So he didn't come in speech in, in lofty speech and wisdom. He didn't come in the way uh, of the people that, that are around trying to, to launch new ideas. The people who are trying to, to sound a certain way so that they receive acclaim and, and applause. He said he came having decided that he would preach Christ. Now let's look at that. He had decided to preach Christ. Verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul didn't have to come and, and try and, and craft a particular message. He didn't have to come and, and think about what it was that he was going to say because it was already decided even as he came to Corinth. He came in knowing what he was going to say. He had decided, some, some translations say, I resolved to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. There was, a, there was this resolution in him that this is what he was coming to say. This is, this is in stark contrast to, to those around, those who, who do come with lofty speech and with wisdom, those who, who are looking for the, for the next new idea so that they can, can bring something new and, and wow people for a little while, and then the next fad comes along, and, and the people all around were doing that sort of thing. They, they were coming, and it didn't really matter what they were talking about as long as they could do it well. That idea of the the lofty speech was one that that when they spoke, it was just beautiful. And the content was secondary. But if they could speak beautifully and have something new to say, something that people hadn't heard, some new sort of wisdom, well, that was even better. And that got people all excited. And Paul said, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about trying to come and, and make you impressed with me. I'm not about coming and and trying to shift things around and change things. I came with a decision that I'm going to preach Christ. And after that, what new do you need? Paul says that was the point that he came. He came with the resolve to, to preach about Christ. And yet the word he uses there is not preach, is it? He says, I decided to know. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Does it it mean that Paul didn't understand other things? Of course not. Paul understood all kinds of things. Paul was very educated. And, and even as he decided not to come with lofty speech, it, it doesn't, this isn't some sort of, of anti-intellectual, anti-education thing that Paul was doing. Paul was very good with rhetoric. We read his letters and we see that he, he had a beautiful handle on that. But as he came to Corinth, he came not wanting to impress them with him. But to impress them with Jesus. And so when he comes saying, I decided to know nothing among you. Of course, he still knew other things and and he talks about many other things, but he wants to know Jesus. Guys, that needs to be our prayer today, doesn't it? Jesus, I want to know you. Paul isn't isn't coming to present theories. He's not coming to, to, to lay out particular arguments. He's coming saying, I just want to know Jesus. And then tell people about what I know. To know Him and to make Him known. And that's our prayer. To know Jesus. Even as we are known by Him. And to just make Him known to those around us. But as Paul came with that, that idea was not one that had power with it. Didn't have lofty speech with it. Paul just said, I came with the simple message of Jesus and Him crucified. Now in verse 3, Paul goes in and he looks at, at himself as the preacher, the one coming in. And we've already said that he didn't come in trying to impress. He came in, it says, in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Paul, Paul stood before them as one who is weak. It would have been interesting to, to have been there to hear him. You know, somebody comes back from, from the marketplace and, and heard, a, heard a new speaker there today. Really? How was his speech? Well, yeah, yeah, it was OK. Well, what about his voice? Did he have a big, booming voice? Eh, yeah, no, kind of a, kind of a, a shaky, sort of feeble voice, I don't know. Well, big commanding presence? Not really. What do you have to say? He told about God on a cross. And a way that we can have life. Paul came before them, he said, in weakness. Whether it's, it's physical ailments that, that we read about in different places. Whether it's, it's just weariness. Paul said as he stood before the Corinthians that he was there in weakness, and he said that he was there in fear and much trembling. It, it could have been that this this had to do with his even his physical presence there. We know that in Corinth that people stirred up uh, serious opposition to him, that they had drugged him before a, a counselor to try and have him tried. That there had been mob violence going on and, and Paul might have been there simply saying, I feared for my life and, and this is one of the places it was read in Acts that, that this is one of the few places that God gave him a vision and said, don't fear for yourself. Keep preaching what you're preaching. You see, we think about Paul and, and we think about him just kind of going around and preaching and everybody comes and they're all happy. That's not the case. And this fear and trembling could be just honestly, physically, he fears for his life. And God sustains him in that anyway. It could be, as we look at the way fear and trembling gets used throughout Scripture. That that this is the response of those who stand in the presence of God. That that those who come before God come before Him in fear and trembling because of His greatness. Because He is is so powerful, so perfect, so other than anything that we can measure up to. That the response is fear and trembling and, and this incredible awe for who He is. Paul, as he came before the Corinthians, he didn't come... As, as a grand speaker. He didn't come as as one who could just deliver his own wisdom. He came with a message from one who is greater than him. He didn't rely on his own talents, on his own abilities, but on the Spirit. In verse 4, he says, my speech and my message. And that word speech is one that, that goes back to To what we've been seeing throughout. It's the word used for word. When it was word of the cross. And and word of wisdom. He says my word. And my preaching. My word and my proclamation. They weren't in, in my own talents. But a demonstration of the spirit of God. That God was at work in him. And with that, with, with a preaching that a preaching that, that was not grand, with a preacher who stood before them weak and flawed and broken, the purpose of all this is so that when people believe, when they put their faith in the God whose message Paul is, is sending, That that faith is rooted in God. It's not rooted in in a persuasive argument. It's not rooted in, in somebody who told things just right. It's rooted. It's based. It's dug down into God himself. We've been, we've been looking at this idea. The Corinthians who are looking for wisdom. Who, who want to see wisdom. And it's good for us to seek wisdom as long as we're seeking wisdom in the right places. The Corinthians who might be looking for just the next big thing are missing out. And sometimes that's us too. Sometimes we get so focused on, on seeing the next big thing that we miss the actual God who is calling us, and so as we look at Paul's recap here of this whole idea, I think first we're reminded to to pray because this the whole message. The the whole fact that that we are alive and and that we can have eternal life in Jesus doesn't rely on us. It's on Him and His work. And we submit ourselves to Him. So we pray. And then we tell those around us about it. Evangelism can be a frightening thing because we say, well, what if I don't say it right? And what if they ask questions and I don't know the answers? And what if, and what if, and what if? And so we have this idea that, that we'll get trained and we'll, we'll learn more and we'll do that. And then someday, when we're like Ravi Zacharias and can answer every question that anybody ever throws at him, then maybe we'll share. Paul says, I came in weakness in fear and trembling. I didn't come with my own wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So we tell those around us. Not because we've got all the right answers, but because we know the one who does. We pray, we tell, and we serve. We serve those around us. We let our actions also tell that story of what God is doing in us. As as we humble ourselves, as we forgive the one who has hurt us, as we show kindness to the one who is not kind to us. And everything gets flipped on its head, and and God's message of the cross comes forth. Jesus, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are more than enough. God, I pray that, that today you would be at work in us. That we could experience your power. Help us, Lord, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbors We love ourselves.